Welcome back to Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. Today we have Marita Rollenbeck with us and she is a transformational coach with a focus on creating a lifestyle through a holistic lens. It's time to bring all of you into all you do. She coaches women on how to move through their quiet unhappiness or sometimes you know, that quiet unhappiness gets super loud. So she is the one uh, where you find a place and you guys can access and work together your quintessential self. That's where women step into their place of power and embodiment. Marita also works with high energy products that support humans, not only on a physical level, but on emotionally and spiritual level as well. She is also a published author and a course creator. Do you feel like a meditation failure? I know I did until I tried the iOS Breath and Heart app put together by the good people over at the Institute for Applied Meditation. I kept hearing about the benefits of meditation and was frustrated because I just couldn't sit there noticing my breath for any length of time. Thank goodness there's more than one type of meditation. I'm so glad this worked for me. Will it work for you? I don't know. Download the app and try it out. Breath and Heart from I Am Heart. Hey everyone, Angela Talent here, host of the Relatively Damaged Podcast. I'm the author of Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. As you may know, Cicero once said, a room without books is like a body without a soul. Well, I say a soul without poetry hasn't lived. Buy my book on Amazon, Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. Marita, you are a busy woman. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I am a busy woman. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I am sure that things have gotten hard in your life. And how did you keep going? How, I mean, how do you keep doing all of these things that you do when things get tough? I think the answer to that is to remember your calling, to remember, like, part of my job is to help people remember why they've actually come. And so when my life starts to spiral into a negative, negative Nelly, I need to remember why I've come because sometimes we all want to just crawl into the hole and, you know, like, I, I think I'll just hibernate for a month and you, I need to remember why I've come and whom I'm here to serve. And then in turn, that's what I help my clients do as well. Right. So if somebody's got like five things happen in a row and they're just overwhelmed, I mean, you know, let's assume this is in your life and you've been, I'm I'm betting you've probably been there. Uh-huh. Just a wee bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so they've got all these things coming at them and they're feeling like, oh my gosh, if I even step out of the house, something else is going to hit me too. Have you ever had those thoughts? And when you did, what did you do to get to that next step. Well, honestly, when when it comes piling on like that, the first thing I do is, well, just bring it on. Let's get it over with. I mean, <laughs> I just get into this little hissy fit. It's like let, let's just do it all at once, you know, rather than okay, we'll we'll do with this now and then in a month we'll do it. Let's just do it all now. And then the result is an explosive like up level, right? Because you're if you're willing 
to look at your shit, if I may say, if you're willing to look at it and to work through it, there is a gift on the other side. And that gift is an up level in your consciousness and, and how you view life and how you live your life and all of those types of things. So the first thing really is to, the first natural response is to, I want to shut the door and I want to hibernate, but, or, and the best thing to do is just say, bring it on. Let me work my way through this. If you need to, you hire somebody. That's, I think the beauty of hiring a coach or a mentor is they're not emotionally entangled in all the players of what you're doing. You know, your friends are emotionally entangled because then just because they are, it's just human nature. But when you have a third party there, it's easier to take a different perspective from someone who's neutral. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So you get hit, all these things start coming at you. You, what you're saying is, well, okay, bring it on. And when you get to that point, because it sounded like maybe at first you start kind of going down that, that negative uh, Nelly road and maybe you recognize that. And then you say, you know, bring it on. And then it uplifts you to keep going or gives you energy. Right. Okay. I so will how... say, oh, I ahead. will say, excuse me, that I see that now, but when I first started really with my, with my upheaval, with my marriage that was fallen apart and everything, everything was falling apart. I didn't see it like that at all. Okay. I was so much in the forest. I couldn't see anything except just like my life sucks, you know? <laughs> so your perspective changes as you, as you take on the responsibility of wanting to move through it and to, mm. you know what I'm saying? It's a, it's a consciousness thing of, of um, moving from the blaming to the accepting that I have a role to play in my life. How, okay. How did you do that? Because it's, I think it's really easy to get stuck in blaming. It's so much easier to stay oh, in blaming. Totally. But um, blaming doesn't, I does blaming doesn't fix anything mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I had a, when I, when my marriage was like, completely tumultuous. I had a part-time job and I just remember, I don't remember what the conversation was, but it was my boss who was the, like the director of this department and then his right-hand person. And it was, and me. So the three of us were having some conversation. I said something and he said something about that I was blaming. So he, like I, whatever he said, he used the word blame. And it was the first time that I was like, huh, was I blaming? And because mm -hmm. I don't remember the circumstances, I honestly don't know, but that was his perspective. And it really clearly after all these years, I still remember that moment mm -hmm. when, when you have this awareness that, well, I can blame you for my shitty life, or I can take responsibility and extract myself out of this relationship and create something new. Was that scary? Absolutely. Not scary. Terrifying. Okay. When you say terrifying, terrifying what, what kind of thoughts were going through your head? Oh. What did terrifying feel like and, and sound like in thought process? 
That's a great question. Well, I have to give you some context. So I was raised with, you know, you go to school, you get the job, you find the husband, you buy the house. It has a white picket fence around it. You have children and you live happily ever after. That was the scenario that was in my head. Of the story of what life was supposed to look like. That's what, what life was supposed to be like. Yes. Okay. And then add to that, I was deeply steeped into the church Christian tradition, which is thou shalt not get divorced ever. Ever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can I just tell you, I relate on that one (laughs) on such a deep level. I have to say, I relate with you on such a deep level right there. Yes, (laughs) but because, you know, I I had a vow, like, you know, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. Right. And here I am asundering it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and it was really hard. It was really hard to, because that's what I mean when, when my relationship ended, it wasn't just the relationship. It was all of those things that society said life should look like. All of those things that the church said your life should look like. I mean, all of my belief systems came tumbling down and I needed to, and I didn't know what to pick up, Mm, which meant if I'm letting it tumble down, I'm erasing the chalkboard, right? And then oh. I get to fill it up again, but I didn't really, you know, I know it now. Right. I didn't know what, that's what I was doing then. I remember going to the library and I came out with 25 books on all kinds of stuff. Like my mother would have like, oh my God, like all these different type of religions and spiritual practices and all this esoteric stuff. I mean, that's just where I went. And it, oh my God, it was a dark time, a very dark time. So you're in this terrifying place and you go to the library (laughs) and you get 25 books. (laughs) And what was your idea or thought? I mean, was it that they would have the answer? Did you read all of the books? I mean, I have so many questions. I probably did not read all of the books, but it really spoke to how confused I was. You Mm. know, the variety of topics, like I should have had a shopping bag. I, I don't even know how I got into the car, but I literally counted there were 25 books. So it was very terrible. I had a six-year-old daughter. And when I was pregnant, I left the job market. So I was a stay-at-home mom. And when I left the job market, you're going to laugh. When you turned a computer off, it was the kind that you literally, you needed to hug to turn it off. Like the little knobby was in the back. Yeah. And, and they were thick and long. Yes. Like- yes. A foot long, maybe more than a foot. (laughs) And then I'm going back into the market and I don't know how to do all this stuff. I mean, I didn't know how to do anything. And I have to now go and raise my child. So So. were you a single parent or did you share custody? How did that work? I was a single parent. We did not do joint custody just honestly because he knew it would not be a good recipe. So he did take her every other, you know, we did all, all the things, but he didn't have the legal right to have her. If you know what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. We just really put, yeah. We really put her in front of all of our junk. And so, how hard was that? Or how easy was that? 
honestly, well, in the beginning it was, it was hard, but because we put it, we put her first for us at any rate, it made it easier because it wasn't about us. We could put our shit aside and, and it's about her. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, I was just wondering now you're still, as you're parenting this child, I mean, you're still processing all of this pain and, and the chalkboard has been erased. So <laughs> how did you start putting that back together or putting things back on the chalkboard? I started, well, I ended up, I end, ended up like taking classes. I found a little metaphysical store locally, and that was like this super cool place where you could learn about whatever, you know, I took a dream class and I took a class on rocks and, or crystals. And I found a retreat and I went on a retreat. I mean, I just started like experimenting. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of weird stuff and it's, it's interesting, you know, what, what stays, you know, like I, I studied herbs and I studied tinctures and all these things. And so like, I know about them, but then as you begin to explore all the things that are are of interest to you, then you kind of land and that becomes more of a foundation. And then, you know, you branch out and learn more and those types of things. Were you working a regular job or did this become, and then this somehow became your. Well, I had, I had a, what was, what did I do? I worked a temp job like during this whole tumultuous thing, I had a temp job and I'm never, I've never been good with like a nine to five Monday through Friday. Oh God, 40 hours a week. I I've never been good with that ever. And so having a temp job was good because, you know, it was kind of like, I'm the boss. (laughs) (laughs) And I had like a nine to three, I don't know, something like, something like that. And I worked for the director of actually a local branch of the American Diabetes Association. Oh, wow. And he had me do this project and I did really well, I guess. And he, he wanted to hire me full time, but I would actually make less money than I was making as a, as a temp. And it's like, I've got a, I've got a kid, you know, it's, that doesn't, that doesn't work. Yeah. So I started out doing temp jobs. And then um, what happened was I discovered Young Living Essential Oils and that whole thing, that's then where I went and took a gazillion million classes. And it wasn't just on oils, it was on health. It was on, and, and I learned things about, you know, the big pharma and this and all that, all that stuff, what goes on with big business. And that became the foundation of what, ended up becoming a business. So over the last 25 years, it's really, it's really morphed. And Mm. I've kind of let, let the, like the health coaching, if you will, I've kind of let that kind of sit over here. And I really like working more with, with women. I call them quietly unhappy because that's what I was. Mm -hmm. Like I, I really thought that I had the facade white, nicely whitewashed. (laughs) That no one could see. Yeah, that was a lie. Yeah, that was a lie. So yeah, that was a lie. I actually had a friend of mine. She invited me over for Thanksgiving one year that my daughter was going to her dad's family. So I was alone. And she invited me over for dinner. And after dinner, she took me away and she sequestered me out in like a different part of the house. And she basically said, 
you need to get out because it's killing you. And I, like I said, I really thought I had a good whitewash job going on. Mm-hmm. But she could see that it was, it was suffocating me. So that was Thanksgiving. And by before the end of the year, I was out with a lot of help from a lot of people and we kept it secret. And it meant a lot of strategy of, you know, like I couldn't pack things because we live in the same house, you know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was really something. It was really something. Is that, did that feel humbling in that moment or? Yes. Did, and did you feel loved yes. when she said that or was it? Okay. So it was a, a very much a loving. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, you know, accusing. It was really just, you need to get out, you know, like this loving embrace of, and she said, and I'll do anything. It's been so long. This was 1996. Mm. So it's been a long time. I'll do anything to help you. I'll do anything to help you. So we took that to my parents because they wintered in Florida. They left after Christmas. And and basically I lived with, I lived at my parents' house while they were in Florida. And then I found another place to live, but it took, it took a village to get me out of the house because I really, and I didn't understand the law that even though, I mean, I didn't know if I would ever see the inside of the house again, just because he could be so unpredictable, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I make, I made choices as if I would never be in that house again of what Mm. I took and what I left. And and I wasn't a bitch, you know, I didn't take everything, you know, that's not my style. So, and I think that's one reason that we got along. It was like, I didn't, I didn't take them to the cleaners, you know? Yeah. So I never, I never was a man hater. In fact, another friend of mine, she's like, I'm surprised you don't hate men. It's like, why would I hate men? You know, like, but what women do, they, they leave a marriage and they hate all men, which is, they do. And it's so sad. It's such a big globalization that happens. I remember at work one time, a gal made a comment about men. And I said, well, women do the same thing. And I remember her looking at me going, huh? Like I just totally blew her belief out of the water just uh, by the comment because right, right. now we she forget well yeah because yeah, because there's this this thing sometimes I think when we get hurt we that blame right well it's men well it's women no it's humans it's human yeah it's, it's a human condition <laughs> and sometimes women are more nasty than men are yeah I think it it just depends uh, on the situation but you oh, managed to get out live with the parents and you said later you became friends yes how did. how did you do that I or well, how did what was your part in that because it takes two exactly <laughs> how do we do that honestly it was we always put our daughter first it, it, that was like we always put our daughter first and he was extremely good to me and he he didn't drive so I was the kind of person that would say something like, well, I'm going to be up in your area. Do you need to do an errand or do you need me to bring something or I'm going here? Do you want me to pick something up? You know, it wasn't, but I was not looking for anything in exchange. Mm -hmm. So there was that, but he was also very, very generous with 
just himself and who he was and things like that. And it, it just, it just, I don't know. It just happened. And then one year he, <laughs> he called me and he said, I can't remember now if he said, I think he said, my mother would like to know if you'd like to come down for Christmas Eve. Because again, I was always alone for the holidays. Mm. It was because then after, after a while, my parents moved to Florida full time. So they were gone. And I literally, I literally said, are you sure? Like you, you're, you're asking me to come down for Christmas. He's, he's the, he was the oldest of 12 children. So we're talking like mammothly huge, lots of people. And the more people that were there, the more people I didn't know. <laughs> You know, like, I don't know who's, who's with whom. And, and, and I said, I said, why? And his answer was, well, we think it's been long enough. And that mm -hmm. was nine years after we had been divorced. And so I remember I brought a bottle of wine for dad and I brought a box of chocolates for mom or the other way around. I don't know, but you know, I brought them each a gift and my daughter hated going to his side of the family. I'm like, you can go with me and you can leave with me, but we have to go like there. We just can't not go with such an invitation. And so we, I mean, I made a point of spending time with his parents and then after whatever, after a short while, then we, we left, you know, but that was the pivotal point, I think, where mm -hmm. even his parents, well, his mother wasn't, and she was an angel, but his dad had a lot of animosity toward me because I was, I was the one that broke up the marriage. You know, it was all my fault. And he would, John would, my husband, whatever, my ex-husband would go down and he would come back and he'd be really nasty. And I would go, oh, you were, you were with your parents today. Well, today, weren't you? And he'd say, yeah. And I go, okay, we'll talk in a week. And I literally just like, I'm not talking to you for a week. And then his nice little personality would come. <laughs> but, but they kind of admitted, you know, like, you can come back into the fold if you want. I mean, mm -hmm. I didn't do that a lot at all, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um, that was a big deal to be included for Christmas. Yeah, it almost signifies healing on an even deeper level, but it sounds like the your ex could be, you know, when it, the marriage, there was clearly something that wasn't working there. And then with the space, whatever mm -hmm. it was, was able to heal. And then when, when yeah. those behaviors did come up, you were able to say, oh no, I'm not yeah. going to spend time with you right now. You just, we're going to, I'll see you later. Right. Yeah. And there were times where I would, I probably had them too. I'm, I'm just so glad we don't have to live together. <laughs> Like we can get along, but I don't have to live in this house, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had a humor about it. We we had, we had humor around our daughter where, you know, like your daughter, blah, 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 blah. and then sometimes she was our daughter, you know, and sometimes she was my daughter. So we had those jokes too, you know? Yeah. So we kept the humor alive and yeah, it was really, really something. Yeah. And it sounds like it took time from, from when you left, it took time for that whole process to happen. So, and, and I like how you said, well, it just happened. I don't yeah. know what, I don't yes. exactly know. I can tell you I stayed open. This is what I did, but mm -hmm. it could have gone either way. I'm thinking is what your, you know, like your thought process is like, well, I don't know. It really, oh. at the end of the day, 
you don't know, you know, he never remarried. So if, if he had, what would that have done? I don't, again, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but he had a very gentle disposition that, that served the lack of conflict once we were apart, you know, once the divorce was final and he really understood that this is really happening, honey, you know, then he had to do his healing too, which we honestly never talked about. So I don't know what his process was. Well, that's, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So if someone were in that situation today Mm -hmm. and, and you had three, you were able to give them three tips or tools or just three things to think about, what would those three things be? Oh, that's a really good question. I think compassion is super important for not only you've got three things to have compassion around. And that's just the couple that I, the, we don't know if there's children, but you have to have compassion for the other individual and yourself and also the relationship. Because if you've been, let's just say you, you've been, you dated for two years, <clears throat> you're engaged for a year and you're married for 10. That's a long time. That's what did I say? 13 years. Yeah. That's yeah. 13 years. And let's say you're 30 okay, that's almost half your life. And I think that when you have that perspective, that this is a big chunk of your life and you gave it to this individual and to the relationship. So trying to like totally set it aside and forget what you once had. I mean, things go south and things blow up but you still had something. That's why you've been with this person for that long, right? Mm-hmm. So I think compassion is usually is hugely important. And so is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You know, holding a grudge is just, it's bullshit. It, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't hurt that person. It hurts you and makes you bitter. And then that's like that, that cascades into a whole bunch of stuff. It's not just an emotion. It literally impacts your physicality. And rewires your brain and all get all kinds of things so you know that's hugely important and uh, so compassion and forgiveness and then being open to rewriting a future Mm. you know it doesn't have to it doesn't have to be ugly you know looking back on your on that relationship whether you were married or not you know you could be in a relationship for whatever five years and it doesn't go anywhere quote right right but it's still five years. It's still foundational in who you are. It's a, it's a lens that you're going to look through relationships through or with, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. Well, everyone, this was Marita Rollenbeck. You can find her on harmonicwholeness.com. If you're looking in the doobly-doo, which I love to say that now, I stole it from Scott Carney. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> uh, but that's the that's the little area down below. You can click on the links and it will take you to her Facebook, her Instagram, her groups, her YouTube channel, and we'll also have the link to her website there. So thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. Oh, you're welcome. You know, and I, if I might, I'd like to offer a gift to your audience. Would that be all right? That would totally be all right. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I have something that I, it's called Grace Notes. It's a, a beautifully compiled little downloadable booklet, if you will, 
of what I call grace notes. I've written a book called Living with Grace and I've extracted, I don't know, I think it's like 30 different quotes that are really quite profound. And that's just a gift that I have for people like you listening. And I'd love to offer that to you if that's something that you're interested in. And it's gracenoteswithgrace.com. Super simple, gracenoteswithgrace.com. Got it. Awesome. Easy enough. Thank you for that. That's an honor to our listeners, to myself that you're offering it. So thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I can't, you guys check Marita out. She's pretty darn cool. (laughs) (laughs) Hey everyone, Angela Talent here, host of the Relatively Damaged podcast. I'm the author of Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. As you may know, Cicero once said, a room without books is like a body without a soul. Well, I say a soul without poetry hasn't lived. Buy my book on Amazon, Poems from a Lost Soul by Angela Talent. Do you feel like a meditation failure? I know I did until I tried the iOS Breath and Heart app put together by the good people over at the Institute for Applied Meditation. I kept hearing about the benefits of meditation and was frustrated because I just couldn't sit there noticing my breath for any length of time. Thank goodness there's more than one type of meditation. I'm so glad this worked for me. Will it work for you? I don't know. Download the app and try it out. Breath and Heart from I Am Heart. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Relatively Damaged by Damaged Parents. We really enjoyed talking to Marita about how she left a dysfunctional marriage. We especially liked when she spoke about having compassion for ourselves, the other person, and the relationship. To unite with other damaged people, connect with us on Instagram. Look for Damaged Parents. We'll be here next week, still relatively damaged. See you then.